Hi, welcome to the Spiritually Minded Mom podcast, where every mom can find hope, joy, and God's hand in motherhood. You'll hear interviews with all kinds of moms who are learning how to navigate motherhood. Most of all, you'll learn that you have a partner in motherhood, a loving Heavenly Father who wants you to succeed and is always there to help you in your most important work as a mother. And now, here's your host, my mom, Dara Trendler. Welcome to the Spiritually Minded Mom podcast. This is Darla, and I am so excited to welcome my guest today. Her name is Heidi Tucker, and she's a wife and a mom to four grown children and also a grandma to nine children. And she also has a really strong connection with teenagers because she's been teaching them, working with them, and volunteering with them for many years. And if anyone listens who listens to this podcast knows that I love teenagers, so I'm excited to hear more about that. Um, she's also the author of two books. The first one is Finding Hope in the Journey, and the second one is Serby's Song. And I think that she's working on a third. She's also known as a great storyteller, and she believes that every story not only teaches a gospel principle, but can make you feel it. She has inspired many to rise up, cling to their faith, and position their hearts to recognize God's hand in their life. So welcome to the podcast, Heidi. Thank you. So good to be here. So excited to have you. So will you just start out, just um, tell us a little bit more about yourself and your family. Okay. Um, raised four kids here in the Arizona desert. So they're all desert rats, just like I am. I'm actually a true native, like born in Phoenix, Good Samaritan Hospital downtown. Oh, great. Yeah. So that's a crazy, unique thing about me. But um, yeah, my kids all went to college in Utah and never came back. So what's with that, right? How do you keep them close together? You know, fortunately, I get asked to speak um, or do events with my book in Utah quite a bit. And so every time I go up, we kind of gather, you know, whether it's for dinner, if they can't do that, um, I'll call them and maybe go grab breakfast or lunch with them. And um, we keep a tight, we keep a tight knit group through texting and through emailing. And I just look for opportunities to reach out. I don't wait for something formal. Oh, well, that is great. So technology is our friend, right? Even with, yeah. when our kids don't live right there, that is, that's exactly. great. And also those nine grandchildren are also in Utah, right? Yes. Well, three of them are in Portland, Oregon. <clears throat> and the other six are in Utah. And there's one more coming in September. So it'll be 10. It'll be, it'll be six, uh, seven in Utah and three in Oregon. So never a dull moment when we all get together. And the oldest is nine, I think. So that's a lot of little ones in, in a short amount of time. Oh, but what, what a fun phase to be in. That's, that's oh, it's great. so fun. Yeah. Okay. So let's, let's dive in and talk about your story. Um, first of all, I mentioned that you're an author and I know your first book has only been out for a few years. So I would love to know, how did you become an author? What led you to write a book? Well, that, that is a story in itself. I, um, I was at a really hard time in my life. I was, I had just turned 50. I, so I'm going through that. I know that my last child, she's just left for college. So I'm an, I'm officially an empty nester. I'm bone weary tired because I had just finished teaching four years of early morning seminary. And, uh, so I was super tired, exhausted, and I had a son that had just come home early from a mission. So I was kind of physically and emotionally and spiritually just really beat up. And 
So I'm on a plane to, to get to Utah for the holidays. And uh, somewhere between Arizona and Utah, I had a dream. And in that dream, I saw my hands holding a book. And I knew it was my book. And I remember thumbing through the pages. I remember looking at the chapter headings. I knew it was a book about trials and sort of struggling through those and how to get through that. And then I woke up. When the plane hit the runway, it woke me up. And I thought, oh, my gosh, what was that? You know, that was so real. And I felt like I had been plugged into an electric outlet, but not in a good way. Like, it was frightening. And it was just, holy cow. And then um, I just thought, there's no way. There's no way. At this really hard, low point in my life, why would I ever want to write a book? And I never wanted to. I'm a business major from ASU. I am not an English lit major. <laughs> and I just thought, Heavenly Father, you know, what are you talking about? And um, I really resisted that. And for, for months, I had really great arguments with Heavenly Father about why I was the wrong girl to do this. And um, I just didn't think anything I had to say would matter. You know, what can I say that's going to make a difference in anybody's life? I'm just in survival mode myself, trying to get through you know, some hard things. And eventually, um, Heavenly Father was really patient with me. And eventually, I just felt uh, like the signs were there. And I, there were so many coincidences. And Every time someone would say something on the radio or on television or at a, at a church meeting in a talk or in a song, I just knew it was pointing to that dream that I needed to do that. And so eventually my heart softened and I started to ask for help in doing that really hard thing as opposed to kicking against it, which is what my gut wanted me to do. Right. And so that's that's how that book finally ultimately came out. Um, I really didn't I didn't see that it was going to sort of be as popular as it was. I really thought this is just a book um, maybe for my children and maybe for my grandchildren and my great grandchildren who will be able to look back and say this was her testimony. This is what she believed. This is what you know. These are some of her deepest spiritual feelings. And um, had no idea that it would sort of catch on like it has. And so really, it's become one of the greatest blessings in my life. And I always say, you know, who knew? Well, I didn't know. But God knew. You know, he knew that that capability was in me. And he knew that I had something to say. And so that's how, that's how book number one happened. It was just an amazing journey and a frightening journey, truly. It was frightening. So I'm always interested in how did you take the first step? Like you had this dream, you, you're feeling this is what God's calling you to do. How did you just change your heart and just take that first step? Um, it, was, it was many weeks of, um, of attempting to do that. Just, I mean, think back to high school, right? The first paragraph of the research paper is the hardest of the whole project, right? I just kept praying and praying and praying for courage to start. You know, I had somewhat of an outline in mind, but um, really it, the day that it, that it happened, I went hiking 
on the mountain that's up just up behind me, not far. And the really, I call it my holy place because I've had so many answered prayers there and it's a great place to meditate as I hike. And, and um, I was going up the mountain and three men were coming down. And so I kind of moved off the trail to let them pass. And one of them stood there and didn't move. And it forced me to kind of look up at him. And I looked at him and he just looked me in the eyes and he said, go get him. And I thought, oh, my gosh. This is not a coincidence. You know, like I knew that was a message. Go get him. So I cried all the way up. I cried all the way down. <laughs> and I just thought, here we go. And that's actually the title of my introduction in my first book is Go Get Him. And I drove home in my stinky, sweaty hiking clothes. And I walked in the door. And I walked straight up to my computer, sat down. And I wrote the whole introduction in about three hours. I just wrote. And it just, it's like once I started, writing it poured out of me but I had to start I had to take that leap into the darkness and just begin and that was I remember how terrifying that was um I, which is interesting because I'm writing my third book as you said before that's correct I'm writing my third and I still felt that same trepidation as to sit down and start I've been researching it for a year and to just start it was so hard but ultimately, it's a leap of faith is what it is for me to do that. And that's how that happened. But, you know, I look back on that and I go, OK, Heidi, come on. There's a lesson in this. You know, like I feel like we don't always get the miracle and the support and um, the true help from God until we take the step. Right. And, and it's so crazy because don't we just, we want it before then. <laughs> I do. I, I wanted the help before I started. I wanted the words to be in my mind. I wanted details and everything, and I didn't have it. I just had to start, and that's when it came. And I've seen that with this third book. Again, I agonized and agonized and researched and interviewed, and then I finally just said, I know what this is. I just need to start. And sure enough, yeah, sure enough, the words are coming and yeah, it's a great thing. Yeah, I think the power, your story illustrates so well something that I think about a lot and that's the power of acting. When we act, we get power. Even, even, I mean, I felt that when I started the podcast, I've talked about that on the podcast before, like I had a very, I, it was kind of not a dream, but a similar experience to you. Like I knew that's what I was supposed to do. I didn't know anything about it. I didn't, you know, yeah. but I took a step and it was like, okay, I'm going to go on Amazon and research what kind of microphone I need. That's, that was, uh -huh. but that gave me power to take the next step and the next step. And so I love how your story illustrates that and how we don't have to be in some perfect spot in our life to no. be an influence and to help other people and to do God's work. You know, you weren't in you know, there's never going to be a time where we're in an no. ideal spot. So yeah, guess I, what? there's no perfect. No, never, never. never. It, it doesn't happen, but God can use us and he yeah. can take us as we are and he can use us if we will take that step. Right. If right. We will just act. Yeah. I love, I love how your story illustrates that and that you're, you know, you're doing this at age 50. Like that's, right. that's great. You're not, you know, we we can just do it and and heavenly father will be there that is, yeah. that is and, so great and you know what that was you know there that is not on any bucket list right that i've ever ever 
and um, to be an author. That was never anywhere. And so it's, it just tells me that God knows us so much better than we know ourselves, right? He knows our strength. I mean, I didn't know that I could do that. So, but he did. And so with this loving, patient encouragement, because I was so bratty and so stubborn in the beginning and so full of self-doubt, it just is amazing what, um, what can happen if you just get brave and, and say, I'm going I'm to do thy will. And here we go. And I'm terrified, but let's do this together. Yes. And that trust really will bless your life. And now you have a way to bless other people's lives. I've been, I'm in the middle of reading your book and I have been so blessed to hear your perspectives on from someone who has been there and has raised their children and they've now left and, to, and for you to share, looking back what you've learned and the experience, the specific experiences that you went through is so helpful to me and I know to many people. And so now you have this platform in this way to share what, to share what you've learned and, and to help other people. So I would love to talk more about your motherhood story. So I have a few th- things that I kind of pulled out that I, I, I want to talk about. And one of them is that you, you talked, you've talked about when we were prepping for the interview is how you've learned to balance wanting to rescue your child with letting them make their own choices and having their own experiences. So tell me more about that. How have you learned that in motherhood? You mean, how am I learning that? Okay. <laughs> that yes, hard. that's a good, yeah. We never arrive, right? We're never like learned everything we need to learn. That is a very good point. It is ongoing. That is never going to end. Yeah. That, the rescue thing. You know, I think I certainly, I rescued my kids when they were little, right? They forget mm-hmm. their lunch. I'm one of the moms that like the arm slipped in the classroom door and I sort of slipped <laughs> the jar. <laughs> I, so yeah, I, I helicoptered, you know, it, in some ways when they were little. But then, you know, I, I felt myself back off a little bit as they got to the teens. And I thought, they, they need to learn this. As adults, it's, it's hard in a different way. You know, there's no manual that teaches us that we are everything. We're making decisions and we're so close-knit with our kids when they're little. And then all of a sudden, you have to sort of back off and just try to instill principles that you feel are so important for them and try to help them. But you've got to let them choose their own way. They've got to use their agency. And so in rescuing, I I look back at my own life and I think, would I want to erase my own growth? And the answer to that is obviously no. Well, okay, you're talking about you know, another individual, another spirit that's here living a mortal existence. You don't want to erase their growth either. And if you rescue them at every turn, you will. You will erase some of their growth or you'll postpone it because they've got to, they've got to just learn it for themselves. And the lecture doesn't work. Lecturing just doesn't work. I've learned that pretty quickly with teenagers. Yeah. That was not the way to parent. So you have worked a lot with teenagers. Let's, let's talk about that because, you know, I, I am in the middle of teenagers and I love teenagers. I really, there's many challenges, but I am enjoying this phase of life where I'm seeing all the things I've taught my kids. Hopefully, you know, I'm just seeing them apply it in the way they're going to apply it in their own way and spread their wings and fly. And it's really exciting. Mm -hmm. So, so how, how do you make that transition from having little kids to teenagers and kind of pulling back a little bit? 
Right. The whole Come Follow Me program is so right on. I mean, we were doing that. I was being taught that down at Arizona State University as a seminary teacher before it hit church life. And we were being taught down there that, I mean, they just said, look, the sit and soak doesn't work anymore. These kids are sponges. you got to just give them principles and, and talk to them and testify. And they do with it what they need to do with it. You don't tell them what they need to do with it. And so I feel like um, parenting is really similar. You know, the lecture is not as effective. We've got to teach by the spirit. I mean, I, I, I took it as a great matter of prayer when I was raising my kids and my teenagers, um, you know, asking Heavenly Father to help me find the words, to help me know when to talk to them, what was the timing. I mean, just all of it. I just felt like I had to partner up to do um, because I just didn't have it all figured out. And, and I feel like I was blessed in that. And there have been some situations where I felt that. Um, or, or later, you know, the child comes back and says, you know, when you sat down and you said this and this, how did you know that I was going through this? And I'm thinking, I didn't. I didn't know that. But Heavenly Father knew. And, and usually I would say that to the child. You know, I didn't know. But Heavenly Father told me to pull you aside. So. I love that. It's really just, it's a, it's a dance, right? It's a dance with Heavenly Father and having him sort of lead you and take a step. Okay, stay where you are. Give them space. It's, you've got to partner up and just go by the spirit. And that sounds really frightening, but um, it, it worked for me. It worked for yeah. me. And I didn't become the screaming lecturer that I, I didn't want to become that kind of a parent. and. We all have a really great relationship, a respectful relationship today. That That's great. And if you look at the example that he has set for us, I mean, he's got a lot of children that haven't chosen what he would want them to, right? And we can see the pattern that he uses um, to parent us and, to, and right. to give us grace and to be patient and you yeah. know, to guide and, and not lecture and you know, all of that. Yeah. Yeah. Just incredible patience and, and huge love. I mean, that's really in a nutshell, that's parenting your adult children and your teenager. How have you dealt with children who have chosen to move away from what you've taught them? Yeah, that's, that's also, you know, that's also ongoing. I do, I, I do have a child that has left the church. And when my son came home early, he was in a, a really vulnerable state at that point. And First of all, you just you just love unconditionally, right? And that's an obvious answer to that. But I think too, something that I wish I had done better in those two situations, with those two children, is that I had been able to better express sorrow at their pain in either leaving the church or in questioning the church, questioning their faith. Because that's a pain, they're going through their own pain in that situation. And it's easy as a parent to make that pain is, is ours. You know, we feel it and it becomes a little bit more about, too much about us and not enough about them. And so um, I, I wish I had been better at that. I'm still learning, aren't we all? I'm going 
I'm going to learn to be a better mom until I'm 100. And um, hopefully I, I you know, get it down by then. Enough years to learn that. But for me to, to, to have a child who chooses not to follow maybe the same way that I do, you, you just love them and you appreciate their strengths. And I, I still testify to them through emails and through just conversations different things that meet that are meaningful to me and that impact my life. And they, they don't, um, that's okay for them to hear that because they know that I'm talking about myself and that I recognize this is me, but that I also appreciate where they are. And it's just a, it's just a mutual respectful amount of sharing. Yeah. I think that's where that unconditional love comes in. Right. That you were mentioning before. So if I'm hearing you right, if you, if you have a child that's questioning or that's leaving or struggling, just love them unconditionally, build upon their strengths. Look at, look at the common things that you have that you can bring you together. Is there anything that you would add to that? Really just in, in uh, picking your battles and, and limiting, uh, limiting those battles, that there's some things that just don't matter. And trying to trying to look at the big eternal picture and less at the the daily events or things that are happening in their lives that you're thinking, you know, that's that's not where I would go and that's gonna cause heartache down the road, or you know, you can micromanage that way, and that's that's not the way Heavenly Father raises us. He doesn't micromanage either. So I don't we have to be careful when we're parenting those adult children that we don't micromanage and, and that we just really try to keep a global eternal focus and perspective. Yeah, that is so true. And I think that applies. You, you mentioned picking your battles. That's something that my husband and I have been talking about in yep. parenting teens, because you, you can, you can micromanage a little more when they're little, but then they yes. get to be teenagers and you really can't do that anymore. So how did you know, I mean, can you give us an example? What's something that you just said? I'm not going to, I'm not going to fight that battle with teenagers. You know, I have, I won't even say who it is. But <laughs> <laughs> her room, I already told you it was a girl. Her room was a tornado. But she was such a great kid and she had straight A's and, you know, there were, there were things that were, and there were, she had, she had such a kind heart, but there were some things that I was concerned about, you know, when you start to, you start to think, okay, I need to talk to her about this and this and for heaven's sakes, pick up your room, you know, and at some point I just backed off of that and I said, the room doesn't matter in the scheme of everything that, that I'm looking at here, the room doesn't matter. Now, you know, once a month or once every couple of weeks, did I sort of lose it and say, okay, <laughs> your life is over unless you pick this room up right now. Like I can't take it anymore. Of course, of course, there, there ha we have to find some balance there. But in general, I didn't want, especially when they're teenagers, I didn't want to always be nagging because I wanted to be loving and you've got to sometimes make space for that because as teens, there's a lot of things that you can kind of nag at them about. If you're not careful, that's all you do. And so when I say pick your battles, I say, Hey, let's, let's, what's not so important. My son was at a point in high school that I saw him spiraling, starting to spiral a little bit. 
And so I'm, I'm out there juggling, right? I'm trying to like pick up all the pieces and try to figure out how to save this kid. And um, I could just see the path was going dark. And I made a conscious decision to drop the battle for the Eagle Scout. I that because that was a hard one. It, he wasn't doing it. It was going to become my project. I'm just all over him about it. The Scoutmaster is all over him and me about it. And at some point, I just said, "We're not. Guess what? We're not going to do the Eagle." Best decision I ever made, you know. And I went to the Scoutmaster and I just sat down and I explained, there's a lot of things going on right now. I'm balancing, you know, I'm the plate spinner at the circus. And we're going to let the Eagle Scout plate fall. And he was so respectful of that. You know, all I needed to do was sit down and communicate. And, and then I went to my son and I told him. And the relief that everybody felt was just enormous. Now, that might not be a plate that someone else is willing to let drop. They may, you know, that worked for me and that worked in that situation. But pick your battles because sometimes there's too many plates spinning and you need to let one of them drop. And you'll know, you'll know which one it is. You'll know. Ask Heavenly Father which one it is. Yeah, that's, that's such an important reason that we need him to guide us because I think, you know, a mother could find that, okay, this particular child, let's drop the Eagle Scout thing, but maybe another one, it's the right thing for them. Oh, absolutely. And, and you need, how are you, how else are you going to discern that unless you have God as your guide and that he's right. there, you know, you can rely on him who knows your child better than you do. I know, I know for my husband and I, we've talked a lot about that. We've, I mean, we've made shifts in our parenting because of it. Yes. You know, we had this idea when we were younger parents that, you know, this is the way it is and this is how it's going to be. And then you, some, right. of that, some of that's been thrown, like you said, you know, we're all learning and growing and I know we don't, some of that's been thrown out the window. And recently we've kind of been opened up to this new way of thinking that, you know, what is best for the relationship? Is, is it good for the relationship that I'm constantly nagging my daughter to clean her room? You know, it might, it might be, it might not be, you know? Right. And so just looking at the relationship as a whole, what's going to be the best thing? And I, I love that. That's definitely, I think that I was a micromanager mother when my kids were younger and I'm really yes. learning to let that I go. I was too. Yeah, I was too. Yeah. yeah, yeah I learned. Pick your battles. Yeah. Pick your battles. And they're different with each kid. Oh, totally. Right? Totally. totally different. Yeah. yeah. And that, like I said, that's why you can't do it on your own. That That's my whole point of this podcast is to help moms remember that you've got someone there who knows your kids better than you know them and right. can guide you and be there for you. Yeah. So, so good. Well, if there, if there was one message that you could share about motherhood and you could only share one message, what would that be? That would be that, um, that there are, there are moments and there are, things and little tiny beautiful nuggets of hope that Heavenly Father so desperately wants you to see and recognize. But it's up to us to open up our hearts and our eyes to see those and to feel those moments. So there's some work to be done on our part, but they are there. Whether it's a child that is currently breaking your heart or whether it's um something personally that's going on in your life that's that's sort of making it difficult to just step up and be the mom that you want to be. Whatever is happening, there are glimmers of hope everywhere. And that 
that's sort of what the book really talks about is ways to open up your mind and your heart and to see those. And they can be so important because often they don't remove the mountain, right? The mount, you still got to climb the mountain. But when you see that little, that little beautiful tender mercy that God has put in your path, you suddenly realize I'm not alone. And Heavenly Father knows exactly where I am on this path. And that can mean the world. It doesn't sometimes take the situation away, but it means that you have him by your side. And that is everything. That is just everything. So change the details, whatever's happening in your life. That is a true principle. And I know that that is true. I felt it in my own life and I've seen it in so many of the lives of others. And uh, I can give you a quick um, example in the book. I talk about this period of time where my son had just come home early from the mission. And I was just trying to figure out, I mean, it was just a bombshell on me. It was unanswered prayers. It was, I made it about me, right? I, I was so sad for him, but I was also making it about me. And I remember just crying and crying and crying and hiking hiking in the mountains and the longer and the harder the hike the better because it just I was trying to figure all of this out and I would pray on those hikes and just say Heavenly Father where are you and in one particular point I remember um, coming up on a trail and I was just sobbing and these this I saw this one little white butterfly and it kind of fluttered in front of me and it caught my attention and all of a sudden very very quickly several butterflies came up and they just started to swarm around me and they circled me. And for about three or four minutes on that trail, they followed me. They encircled me and followed me. Now, I absolutely know that that was not a coincidence. That was one of those glimmers of hope that Heavenly Father was saying, I know where you are. I know where your son is. And I'm, I'm, I care about that. And I care about both of you. And it was so critical. Did it change the circumstance? No. But for me, spiritually and emotionally, it changed everything. And it was one of those moments that I was able to sort of readjust my head and my heart over that matter. That's so great. Just to to look for him, to recognize him in your life. And, yeah. and you'll see it. You will find him everywhere. Right. Yeah. You can brush those off, you know, as coincidence. You can blow right by him. I mean, what do we do when we're on a hard trail in life? We put our blinders on, our heads are down, and we just trudge. We just trudge to get through it. And when we do that, there are moments that we have to do that, right? But at some point, we do need to pull our head up and our, open up our heart and say, okay, where are you, Heavenly Father? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and he will be there. I love that. It's such a, such a great message. I love, I love that story with the butterflies. That is just, yeah, there's just no coincidences. He is there. Well, Heidi, I have loved talking to you. And thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I do have one final question for you that I ask every guest at the end, and that is how have you seen and felt God as your partner in motherhood? In so many different ways. Um, I have seen and felt him in thoughts that come into my mind that I act on. And then I look back and say, that was not me. That was direction from 
God in, in taking this particular path or making this particular decision. And um, it's just, it happens all the time. And, uh, you know, the butterflies is another example of that. That's mm -hmm. something that I visually saw. But often it's just this quiet thought that's really random in my mind. And I think, why did I think that? Where did that come from? And if I act on it, sometimes I, I know, and oftentimes I don't, but I trust that that was from Heavenly Father. That was something that I needed to do. And it just testifies that he's there and he's very involved in my life. Yeah. It's just looking for him and recognizing that. I love it. Thank you so much for sharing your story. I'm, I'm so grateful. You're so welcome. Good to be with you, Darla. I love your program. Thank you. I know you have a million things to do, and I'm grateful you took the time to listen to today's podcast. I hope the episode helped you to know God is your partner in motherhood. For show notes, head over to spirituallymindedmom.com. For more motherhood inspiration, follow along on Instagram, at spirituallymindedmom. And if you enjoyed the podcast, share it with a friend. I would love it if you would leave a review and rate it on iTunes. This helps more moms to find hope, joy, and God's hand in motherhood. Have an amazing day, and remember, you are doing God's work, and you are doing it wonderfully well.